Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hey, today on the show, we've got Ruben Dominguez. He is the founder of Totem Capital Group, a multifamily investment firm in Texas. And we had a really good conversation. We talked about his uh, years in the corporate world and IT, and he was working at a software company that he had an exit out of. But before he left his uh, last corporate job, he was doing a lot of single family investing and eventually ended up getting into multifamily investing, which he's spending a lot of his time on today. So we talk about that journey and what he's seeing in the market right now, what's made him successful. I think it's going to be a good episode for you guys to, to dig in on and learn from. Um, some housekeeping, if you want to be on the DJE investor list and you're not already on there, you can go to D jetexas.com schedule a quick call with our team or just request to be added to the investor list and we will take it from there we can get you case studies or anything else you want to see from our company and if you want to learn how to do this business and go be an operator yourself check out apartmenteducators.com we've got a really great video series there for you that's free you can go in and, and see how we run our businesses and see how this business model works. If that's something you want to pursue, check out apartmenteducators.com. Okay, let's jump into the episode with Mr. Ruben Dominguez. Ruben, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me, Devin. Awesome. So let's kind of dig in a little bit to your journey here for folks that that don't know you. And I know a lot of folks in our circle, In our, we have a lot of circles uh, that overlap, but for folks maybe out there listening to this podcast that haven't met you or learned about you. What, um, what's your backstory and how did you find real estate and make, make a go at it? Sure. Well, I was a corporate guy, right? I worked for a big IT company here in San Antonio and I, I was doing the corporate ladder thing, right? What your parents teach you to do, like go to school, get a good job and get promoted keep working up that corporate ladder. So I was doing that at a IT company here and I got to like a middle management and I started looking back and saying, man, I haven't really accomplished a whole lot. You know, as you, as you start earning more money, you start spending more and you're, it's no so doubt. crazy how your, your expenses match your income. Every time I get that next promotion, it go up a little bit and I spend a little bit more. And yep. I started realizing like, man, I am working a lot and I'm under a lot of stress at work. And I'm not really getting ahead. And funny thing is about, I think this was 2006, right before the crash, the real estate crash, my wife, she brought me this book. It's, it was called Real Estate Investing for Dummies. You know, those yellow books, the four dummies books. Oh yeah. She brought that in one day and she bought it at the bookstore. Somebody's like, Hey, I think we should, uh, we should buy rentals and we should learn how to uh, like be landlords. And all. it seems like a great business. I'm going to call my brothers over. We're all going to have this meeting about it. And so we did that. And I was the guy in that room like, oh, man, I don't I don't want to be a landlord. Like that seems like a lot of work and tenants and plumbers and you know, all the headache. And so we kind of ditched that that thought. And um, gosh, it was probably a couple of years later. You know, the family was growing and uh, we had our second kid. We had a first our first son and then we had a second kid and we we're in this tiny house, 1084 square feet, it's a tiny house. And uh, we're like busting at the seams. <laughs> and uh, it was right after the, the market had crashed. It was like, oh, nine, probably. And uh, 
there's all these great deals on houses here in San Antonio. And I said, I, I want to move into a bigger house. And there's some up there, like I'm making some good money at work. We can afford it, right? I'm, I'm raising my expenses as my income goes up. Right. Every time. <laughs> and so I, uh, I said, hey, let's go look at these houses. And she basically said, the only way that we're going to buy another house is if we can keep this one and rent it out. So okay. she was trying to get her way in there. And I was like, fine, let's do it. Let's try it. And so we bought this house. I'm still in the house we bought back then. And uh, we started renting that house out and it was really cool. These people were paying $1,300, a month. And my all-in expenses was like eight or 900 bucks. And I was left over with some money at the end of the month. And we lucked out. I didn't know what I was doing. We actually got a really good tenant in there by luck. Um, I learned how to do that later. And so I was amazed. I was like, how many times can I do this? So I called up my banker said, hey, I want to buy another rental house. And he was the wrong guy, right? He was the retail residential banker. Sure. He told me, yeah, you could do it. And it's going to cost you, you know, $50,000 out of pocket. You got to have this much in a savings account to cover like six months worth of expenses and all these things, all these rules. And then he told me, you can only do that four times and that's it. And I was like, oh, well, I don't have 300K to go throw into, you know, three more rental houses. So I gave up on that idea. I went back to the grind at work. Um, and a couple years later, maybe maybe even sooner than that, maybe a year later, I saw, I saw this guy posting on Facebook. Hey, I got another rental. Got another rental. And so uh, it was actually you. I had lunch with you. I said, hey, Devin, let's go out to lunch. You know, we've known each other for a long time. I was like, I know Devin's in a corporate job too. So how is he buying these houses? My banker told me I couldn't do it. And so we had lunch and you told me about the little trick, which was you're talking to the wrong banker, talk to somebody who understands this business, the rental real estate business, and you're doing it wrong. Like you don't have to put 20% down. The bank just wants 20% equity. Like you can build right. that equity by rehabbing it. And so right. I found wholesalers. I was buying deals through wholesalers. And after I learned that trick, we, we went out, I did that as many times as I could. And then we started, well, we don't have capital to go buy more rentals. So let's do some flips to get some money for more rentals. And then it was like, man, the deals, I think you probably know this in 2014 to 2016, the deals started getting tighter and tighter on those single families in San Antonio. So we started wholesaling, started sending out letters direct to uh, homeowners. And, you know, 90% of the stuff we'd get back that was a deal wasn't in somewhere we didn't want to buy. We wouldn't flip it and we wouldn't rent it. So we'd sell those. And so we started this little wholesaling business and we started cherry picking the good rentals and the good flips off the uh, off of those deals. And, uh, you know, I think in 2016, I uh, at the end of that year, I was like, okay, cool we acquired six rentals, six single family rentals that year. And uh, man, I worked, I thought I was working a lot before, like trying to get out of that rat race. Right. Right. And uh, it was like, I was going in the morning to look, make sure contractors did whatever they're supposed to do the other, the, the day before. And sometimes I'd find, Oh man, you put white grout on dark tile. Like you got to come back out. <laughs> All that stress. I was working two jobs. And yep. I was nowhere near getting to retire and my income kept, income kept going up. So I kept having to, oh, well, now I need another four houses to replace that income. I need another five houses to replace that income. And so I was 
I was like at a, it was a scalability problem. So I can't continue to scale like this because I'm spending less time. The reason I'm trying to get out of my job is, you know, my why was my kids, I'm coming home and I'm, I'm leaving before they wake up in the morning. And then I get home and they'd be asleep. And my wife would tell me all the cool things they did all day. Like, oh, they took the first step or, you know, I took them to the park and they did all these things and I missed it all. Just That's I was tough, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, I was no closer after, you know, those six rentals in one year and all these flips and a bunch of wholesale deals. And I just said, this, this business is not scaling. It's not scaling for me. Uh, and it was getting harder to find deals back then. And in San Antonio, the markets started to blow up here. And uh, so I started asking around and I was in a, I was in a coaching group and they were kind of doing some multifamily stuff. So I, I had been exposed to that business a little bit. And uh, so I started asking around like, Hey, what is it going to take to get into multifamily? I heard a lot of different answers. A lot of them were, Oh, you need, you know, 300 K you need to be able to qualify for the loan. So your net worth has got to be pretty high. And uh, so I'm looking at this. I'm like, man, I'm going to buy a 10 unit by myself. Sure. And then I, I heard about all the, you know, there's a lot of, of issues with 10 units. Not that it's bad, not that it's a bad investment, but you know, you got to be ready to do some property management. And I was doing that already with single family and the tenant type in a, in a apartment is going to be a lot different than a single family. Right? We were renting to families that have kids a lot of times. They'd stay in there for like, I think three years was the average uh, renter that would the lease term. And sure. so, uh, I said, I don't know if I want to do a 10 unit. And um, about that time, you know, you were starting to do bigger deals. And I, and I kept hearing from people like, Hey, you, the, the path you want to go on is be a passive investor, see what it's like, then jump into, if you want to go active, like go active, um, that'll take, that'll get you there a little bit faster. And then, uh, you know, partner with somebody when you do that. And that third step is, uh, if you want to go and do a deal on your own. And by that time you might've built up the net worth and liquidity. So you can go out and do a deal on your own. And so, um, I put a, I put some money in a couple passive deals and I was like, man, this is great. This is, uh, you know, income coming in every quarter. I get that check. Like, you know, I get some really good communications and the best part is like, I'm not doing anything. Right. I'm just, I'm just collecting money. And they, I, I see the transfer in my account every quarter like clockwork. And, um, then I realized, well, I'm going to, I'm going to eventually run out of that. <laughs> so, uh, we, uh, we decided to start looking at going active and how to get that done. And, um, really it's the way we got involved in that was like, Hey, partner with someone, partner with someone that knows what they're doing. So you sure. can learn from them. Right. And, uh, you're going to learn a lot when you do that you make some money, right? You're not going to get a whole bunch of equity in there, but you get a decent amount, right? And, uh, you know, I had done books, tapes, podcasts, all that stuff. And I still didn't really have a great grasp of uh, the, the multifamily investing model. Like, how do I go out and actually do this on my own? It wasn't really until that I got exposed to that side and started partnering with someone that I was able to say, okay, now I got a little bit better handle on it, but I think I need to do that a couple more times before I actually go out and try to get my own deal. I love it. Yeah, that, that partnership aspect's really interesting in multifamily. And multifamily is kind of real estate investing for grownups, right? Like once you get into that, a, a lot of the vendors are different. A lot of the players are more sophisticated. And it's it's kind of just refreshing to deal with some of these folks. But that partnership aspect is really 
critical because it is a big, overwhelming business, even if the fundamentals of it are relatively simple. If rent's coming in and expenses and, you know, you can run your valuations kind of simply, but um, that partnership aspect is, is, is really big. Um, and we say it all the time, but like whatever deficiency you have, a partner or a vendor can, can fill that in, whether it's, you know, underwriting or raising capital or sourcing a deal, et cetera. I mean, there's, there's somebody out there that can help plug that. And the pie gets big enough where you can do that. I mean, if you're, you're flip, if you're flipping a house for $20,000 profit uh, target, you can't bring somebody into that because that pie gets uh, it's crumbs by the time you're done with it. But if you're doing a $10 million deal, that's, um, you know, that's a different, that's a different story. You get the deal supports kind of bringing on those vendors and partners. So what, what is the target now that you've kind of done, had success in the single family world, obviously discovered the business model, went out and did a bunch of deals and then transitioned into multifamily. What type of a project are you guys looking to, to take down these days? We're looking at specifically class B or C multifamily. Yep. It's a, it depends on the market, but like here in San Antonio, you're looking at 75 plus units. And the reason for that is you can afford full-time staff, right? And right. I, I, I'm looking at the business from a perspective of, I don't want to work. I don't want to be at the property signing leases. I've done all that stuff. Sure. It's good. It's great experience, but I'm not the best at it, right? There's, I can hire someone that's a lot better than I am. It right. has experience that won't make mistakes that are going to follow the law. And uh, I can spend my time on finding more projects to do. And so we're targeting a little bit larger properties for that reason. We don't want to, uh, I don't want to be there on the property if I don't have to be. Obviously, I'm going to be working with my property management team closely, right? To make sure we hit targets. But that's what I'm used to. That's what I did in the corporate world. I'd rather, you know, follow up and make sure we're hitting the targets and actually be out there on a weekend when the property management off signing a lease or, trying to collect rent or calling a plumber in. And then there's things you can't do when you don't have staff. And so if you don't have a full-time maintenance guy, um, expenses are higher, right? Every time something breaks, you're calling a plumber or you're calling an AC guy. And here in Texas in the summer, if an AC breaks <laughs> and you got to wait three days on a, on a repairman, like your tenant's not going to be happy. Yeah, that's right. Bad experience. So, uh, we we're looking for somewhat something that can sustain that, that, uh, and it's based off income, right? If there's enough income, you can afford staff, then that's the kind of property you want to look at. Uh, and there's also things on the income side, like, uh, let's say you want to increase income, right? The name of the game in this business is increase income, decrease expenses. You want the NOI up. So if I want to offer some amenities at a cost, like, Hey, I want to offer door-to-door trash service and we're going to charge 20 bucks a month. Um, we can have our maintenance staff do that, right? Hey, when you come in Thursday mornings, go pick up some trash and put it in the dumpster. And that's pure NOI, right? We don't have an additional cost for doing that kind of stuff, but we get the income and it's a benefit to the tenants. So win-win. So that's what we're targeting that class. Yeah. Yeah. That payroll number. I mean, it, it really gets tricky on these smaller properties, which is like a conundrum that I think about a lot. It's in this kind of call it 50 units and under multifamily space, one, it's attractive because people think they can afford it and that they don't want to learn how to syndicate a deal or, or raise capital. Um, and, and they think it might be easier. But when you're paying, you know, one off for maintenance 
service calls, that's going to get expensive quickly. And then as an owner, if you're inserting yourself into the operations as like part of the operations, man, you just got a job you probably don't, don't maybe want as a, as an owner. Um, and so it gets, it gets tricky, um, which is too bad because I think there's some opportunity probably nationwide finding some smaller properties that are mismanaged um, by these kind of mom and pop owners. But you really got to take a hard look at whether you know, where your role is in all this. And are you going to step in and sign leases on a weekend? Like you said, and on the smaller properties you are, uh, and it's, it's going to be tough. So you got to look at whatever your current situation is. And is this a, uh, is this a promotion if you're going to be doing that or, uh, or not? And, um, the, but, but the model as you get a little bit larger really lends itself to being run like a business, you know, where you're really, you're really the, um, you know, the business owner and the oversight and you obviously have to put the whole thing together and manage a team, but it's, it's much different than doing the operations, uh, operations yourself for sure. Yeah. And I think a lot of people start like just logical thinking and I was right. the same way, like, yep. Oh, I'm going to do single family. You know, I got 10 or 15 of those. Now I'm going to move into a 10 or 15 unit and then maybe I'll sell that in a few years, move into a 30 unit and so-and-so and just seems logical. But, uh, you know, I learned from mentors like, well, same effort to close a 10 unit as it is a hundred unit. Yeah, obviously you got to have more capital, but you can raise that or you can, like you said earlier, bring in a partner to help you with that. Right. And you guys manage together and there's enough of the pie to go around and you can split that up instead of spending your time managing a property, calling plumbers, AC guys, like spend your time finding partners and, you know, increasing your ability to raise capital from investors. So. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that the focus on the dollar per hour activity is, is really important, you know, and if, if people are out there doing their business um, kind of look at your day and see segment it and see how much time you're spending on stuff. That's that really high dollar per hour activity, you know, going out and finding a $10 million apartment uh, complex to buy is, is very high dollar per hour activity and uh, scheduling the the plumbers, maybe, uh, maybe not so much. Right. So I love it. Um, what does, um, what does the team look like that you go out and, and, you know, put together to go take down one of these larger projects look like? For us right now, it's, uh, it's a little bit of everything, right? You've got, uh, I've got a partner that comes on and they, uh, you know, some of these, apartment complexes we're looking at it's hundreds of thousands of dollars of earnest money right and uh so we'll bring a partner in to help us with that right and also they help us qualify for the loan we have someone that's got some experience that comes on the team to help because one of the requirements of these loans are do you have experience right and how much experience and the more experience the better and it's easier to get the loan and sometimes that that equates to better terms so sure um, bringing a partner that does that and, uh, you know, we'll bring in some people that uh, can help us with the capital raise. If it's a bigger property, we can't do it all, right? We'll say, hey, can you come on? And you're going to help us make the decisions. And you're also, as part of those, you're going to come in and bring some capital to the deal. And obviously a ton of vendors, right? Attorneys, title company, um, brokers, uh, all kinds of vendors that you need, insurance companies, tax, uh, people that fight taxes, CPAs, and all of them have a little bit of, of work to you. But like we talked about earlier, these, you know, there's, there's enough of the pie to go around uh, when you're buying a $10 million building. It's not like when I was doing these flips and there's like 
sometimes 10k to split there's there's no way to split that between four or right. five people i mean you could Ooh, but it's, be rough. Uh, you're gonna have to do a lot of deals <laughs> yeah that's right that's right that's a, it's a it's a grind flipping houses although it could be good we've both done we've both done a few and um, it can be good, but I think it's more of a, a short-term, short-term strategy. Um, what are you guys seeing in San Antonio where you're looking in terms of, uh, you know, deal flow and prices and what's, what's going on with the market? It's pretty hot. So, you know, we, we get outbid a lot, right? We'll submit an LOI and say, like, oh, you you're underbid by a million dollars. I don't yeah. know how. I don't know who's buying those, but um, I, they're making it work. Some it might be institutional money or something like that. Uh, but it's a hot market, but there's still deals out there. I, I, there's a lot of people that tell me, oh, I don't know how you're finding deals. I know what's wrong. And I always tell them it's probably one of two things. One, you're just not analyzing enough deals and you got to put a lot of offers out there sure. to get one that works. Um, or, or you're not building relationships with brokers. And uh, that's probably the one because if, if you don't have experience and the broker doesn't have confidence in your ability to close, they're probably going to send you a deal that is just a mass marketed deal. Like, ah, oh, the seller wants a little bit too much for this. All my tight group of buyers that I normally send deals to, they didn't want it because it's too expensive. And so I'm going to send it to these guys. Maybe one of them will buy it or be interested in it. Um, and the name, because the name of the game of this business is um, what's your ability to close, right? And price is secondary. Mm -hmm. right. So if you can close, I mean, price matters. If you're way under and you can close it, doesn't matter. But if you're if you're within the ballpark, within a couple hundred thousand dollars of the high bid and you, you're a closer, uh, that's how you're going to get a deal done. Or it could be, hey, I'm just going to bring it to you because I know you're a closer and let's just get this deal done. No one else is going to even see this deal. And so I think, there's a lot of people out there struggling and that's probably why you're not finding deals is because you're getting these deals that no one else wants. Then you underwrite it. It doesn't work for you either. And so a good way around that is bringing in a partner, bringing a partner that has that credibility in that market that knows the brokers and, you know, play the we game. We call it the we game, right? Hey, this team is buying this deal. And yeah, I might not have a whole lot of experience, but you know, my team member does. He's, you know, he owns a couple buildings here. And then when you go to that broker and you submit that LOI and they see the experience on the team, they're like, oh, okay, maybe I'm going to send this deal to these guys. So, um, cause I hear a lot about that. Oh, I can't find a deal. I can't find a deal. It's like, well, there's deals out there. It's probably one of those two problems. I love it. Yeah. People really need to kind of break themselves of this because we, a lot of us start in this single family world, right? I mean, myself included. And you kind of almost need to break yourself of this uh, um, lone ranger mentality, right? Because, you know, your first deal out, you're, you're just not going to qualify for a seven and a half million dollar loan on a $10 million deal. You might not have the $100,000 cash to put up and invest in the deal and do all this other stuff. Um, there's just like countless things in the beginning breaking into the multifamily world that, um, you're just not going to be able to do, but don't let it keep you out forever. Cause like, like we said, partners, you know, partnerships and, and relationship is like the name of the game here. And if you're, if you're in it for the long term, then um, you could start building that stuff on your first deal and then, you know, take on more and more responsibility, just like any, you know, anything, any endeavor, right. You kind of start small, start with a good group of people and um, grow as you, as you kind of, kind of gain some competency. Um, this business lends itself really well to that. 
I know it's so different than the single family. I remember, I remember other guys trying to snake deals from me in the single family world. And, you know, oh, I'm going to tell me what, tell me the address of that house. And I tell them the address and they go to the, the house and try to talk to the homeowner and the homeowner called me on the phone. It's just totally different in multifamily. We actually had, we were bidding on a property and I found out some other guys that we knew were bidding on the property. And uh, they said, Hey, uh, if we win it, maybe you can come on the team. And if you win it, you know, maybe we'll come on the team. And so it's a totally different world. No one's trying to snake each other. Or, um, just different mentality, right? More of a, an abundance mentality in uh, the multifamily business than single family. I never feel like anyone's trying to pull something over on me or snake me or whatever it is in this business. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's just a different, uh, different set of players, different set of players for the, for the bigger deals. And any real estate transaction has complexity, of course, but, um, it is refreshing when you're, you know, everybody involved has like a certain level of sophistication, whether it's a broker, whether it's the attorney, the seller, um, it helps. And it seems like the bigger the deal, um, the more sophistication there is there, which doesn't always translate to, like I said, a smooth transaction, but it sure helps. And it sure makes kind of working on these deals more enjoyable to be dealing with more sophisticated uh, participants. Definitely does. Definitely does. So what, uh, what do you see ahead for the, you know, for the coming kind of year here? What's, uh, what's on, on your agenda in terms of going out and, and working in the, in the business? So we got some pretty ambitious goals. Um, we want to try to do, um, well, for us, right? We're, uh, we want to try to do two deals this year, the rest of this year, right? We've been looking hard. Not a lot, not a lot is, is penciled out, but we, we've got some, uh, we feel like there's some good, there's some good stuff that's come to our plate recently. And uh, so we're trying to do two deals this year. And then next year, hopefully we can push that to three. Um, so not necessarily number of units, but we're looking between 75 to, you know, 75 plus probably 300 units would be our max that we'd, we'd be able to pull off. Right. Um, but yeah, so we're looking at that and um, that's going to require a lot of, a lot of looking at deals, right? Sure. Because you, you're going to look at, you're going to make, I think it's a, uh, you know, a mentor told me this one time. He's like, you're going to, so you want these things to be routine, like submitting LOIs, it becomes routine, not winning deals, but becomes routine. And, you know, cause I think when I first started, I'd submit an LOI and I'd like sit by my email and my phone and be like, Ooh, what am I going to hear back? And I was just wasting time. It's like, I should be analyzing another deal instead of just waiting for the phone to ring and waiting on the LOI. Cause most likely statistically, I'm not going to win the, but it's good practice. Right. And so I feel like it's a win now to submit a lot of LOIs, go on a lot of tours. And uh, if I can see a lot of things and that helps me build relationships with brokers and meet property management teams out there while we're talking to people, uh, that's a win for me. So just uh, all those activities will eventually lead to us finding a deal. I love it. Yeah. Focus on the, on the systems, right? I mean, the outcomes will, will get there, but if you're working that system on a regular basis, that's going to, going to lead to the outcomes. Um, what would you say to somebody that's, that's got a single family project under the belt? They're not entirely new to real estate but they want to go do bigger deals. What do you, what do you tell that person that's just starting out there? I would tell them go do it. Right. It's uh, so funny. The, the more and more success I have. And I think back to when I didn't even have a single family house, right. It's just working right. a job. And even in my job, like there's success there, right. When you get the next promotion you do better. 
Sure. It's all mindset. Right. And right. It's so funny. And I think about the next step for me, it's my difference between me and the guy that's got what I want is mindset. Right. And, uh, and so, you know, read books, hang around with people that are doing the things that you want to do and however you can do that, right. Go to meetups. A good way to hang out with people is read their books, right. Listen to their podcasts. Uh, and you don't actually have to hang out with them. Obviously, if you can hang out with them in person, physically, even better. Uh, but try to get time with some of those people. If you have to pay for it in a, a mastermind group or whatever it is, like I encourage you to do that because you will get so much from that. And like it's like your mother used to tell you probably like, hey, don't hang around with those guys. You're going to be just like them. It's the same thing. Like if you're going to hang around with somebody, you're going to be just like them. And it eventually it's really true. That's yeah, so eventually you're going to have what they have. So like go out yeah. there and, and start trying to hang out with those guys and That's you'll learn funny. so much. Yep. Yeah, I'm it, sure you've had the same experience. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been paying to be in groups since I started this and that's the number one accelerator for me. You just, you get in the right room of folks and go, man, they're, they're just like me. I mean, they're smart guys and gals, but like they're, you know, they're just, it's just like you said, it's a mindset thing. It really is a mindset thing. And, and you got people doing big stuff that uh, are no smarter than the average person. They just figured out a different, uh, different peer group to be around and figured out a different, different model to, to pursue. And it's, I don't want to say it's that simple. Cause look, there's a ton of learning and a ton of experience that goes into it, but that's a huge piece is, is peer group. Huge piece. It is. And, uh, and I think about, you know, the people I've stopped hanging out with as well. Mm, sure. So, you know, I think it's important to also take a look at, okay, who, who are the five people I hang out with the most and what are they like? What do they have? And I bet you you're going to look around and say, Hey, they're, they're kind of like me. Like we're kind of making around the same income, kind of have the same, you know, type of uh, lifestyle. And uh, I think if you have someone that's in your life that, not, not saying you have to get rid of everyone, but of course. You know, try to minimize your time with people that are going to bring you down, right? You want to be lifted up by people that are doing awesome things. And if you got somebody in your, in your, and a lot of times that's family and you can't stop hanging out with family, but you can definitely minimize the amount of time you spend with those people. So um, I don't want to get negative, but uh, you know, I think that's important to mention to people too. Yeah, it really is. I mean, we are so um, influenced by our, I guess, fear of judgment from others. Right. Um, it's, it's such a huge thing. And I think unfortunately family does, does hold people back, but, um, you get to, you know, we're in a, an amazing era here. You know, when I was working my corporate job and, and I would not go to lunch with those folks cause they would just complain about work and not have a plan to fix it. Like you're complaining about this thing and you've been in this job for 20 years. I know, I guarantee you don't have a plan to change it. You just want to, so I literally, I just plug in real estate podcast, go eat lunch by myself for two years. I did that, you know, and just while I was focused on my business and then I go hang out with people that were doing the thing that I'd paid some money to be in a group with. And, and, um, it makes, that makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. Um, so, but we're living in a, a pretty cool time to be able to connect kind of almost with anybody and to be able to spend time with people. Like you said, even if it's through an audio book or a book or podcast or whatever the case is. So, um, the excuses are, are diminishing, right. For the ability to make connections and go do what you want to do, which is, which is pretty cool. And this, the business is just hard enough, I think, to keep most people out. So yep. it's only like serious people that are, 
making it happen, which is cool. You know, for sure. I mean, I think when I worked my corporate job and I was doing single family real estate, this is a crazy, this is totally true too. I would literally talk to someone every single day. They'd find, I, it was a big organization, like 4,000 people that worked there. Right. Uh, just in that office. And everyone heard about, Hey, I'm the real estate guy. I'm the single family guy. Cause I had a bunch of single family rentals and uh, these other businesses and they would come find me and put time on my calendar. And I, I talked to probably between the years of 2014 to 2017, I talked to probably someone every single day. Wow. You know how many people actually went and bought a single family house from those conversations? All of them? Two, two people, <laughs> two people. So they just wanted to buy you lunch. They, you got a lunch, a lot of lunches bought though, right? I did have a lot of lunches <laughs> bought, which is cool. And I, I got my, uh, you know, my, when somebody goes from not knowing anything to like, I'm going to try to teach you a, a little bit. Cause if you give them too much, then they, Oh, it's overwhelming. And you'd never hear from, and I wanted them to be successful. I like, I really wanted these people to be successful. I was trying to help them. Then I got to the point where like, oh, this guy's probably not serious, but you know, I'll spend some time with him. And, uh, yeah, I was trying to minimize my time with those people too, but they, uh, yeah, two people, uh, two people bought single family houses out of all those people, probably hundreds and hundreds of people that I talked to. Crazy. Yeah, that's, that's wild. That's wild. Um, well, listen, thank you for sharing your story. If somebody wants to learn about what you have got going on, what you guys are doing in the future, what's a good way for them to connect with you? Uh, either our website, uh, that's uh, www.totem, like a totem pole, totemcapitalgroup.com, or you can email me direct. It's Ruben at totemcapitalgroup.com. And yeah, that's probably going to be, uh, you can get our newsletter on our website. That's probably the best way to keep up with us. And, uh, you know, we send out monthly updates on what we're doing. Perfect. Well, listen, we'll link to that in the show notes. Ruben, thank you for coming on the show, sharing your story. I love it. And congratulations on your success. And here's the future. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Devin. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Take care, man. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. I hope you found that educational, entertaining, inspiring, all of the above. If you are interested in seeing future DJE investment projects and you are not already on our list and in our portal, uh, you can go to the website, djetexas.com. There's a little button there to schedule a 15-minute call with our team, answer any questions you have, and make sure you get on that list to see that next project that comes out. Also, if you're interested in being uh, an investor that runs these deals, we've got a free seven module course for you at apartmenteducators.com. Uh, a lot of great free content there to ramp up your education in the multifamily investing space. Once again, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. We always appreciate a five-star review that helps the reach of the show. That's one way you can give back if you enjoyed it and we'll see you on the next one. Take care. Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.